All right, let's pray and then we'll get into it. Father, we just thank you. God, we thank you for your hand um, of guidance today. God, we thank you for wisdom. God, just uh, give me the words to speak. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for um, what you're doing in this place, what you're doing in this uh, region, God. And we just thank you that we get to be part of it. We get to partner with you, God, and we get to experience what you're doing and see the results of, of what your kingdom is, is doing in this world. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. You know what? Um, my wife says I'm kind of a troll. Um, sometimes uh, I um, not like a troll, not like an under the bridge kind of troll, but more. more I can be trolly like that. Um, I'm like, who's coming into my house? Right? No, I'm just kidding. Um, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah. No. Um, and. Uh, Friday, I put uh, happy uh, overturn Roe versus Wade day, and um, yeah, I got some snarky comments, but I don't really give a crap, so um, I just smiled and blocked them. Um, <laughs> it's so easy. Just click that button. Boom. They're done, and if they call you, you don't have to answer the phone, um, especially if they're family members. Um, Anyway, so, um, you know, what I was thinking about that is, you know, Sarah was talking about, you know, that dirt road. And um, I was listening to something that it was from the founder of our network, Pioneer. And he was a man that passed away earlier this year. And he said, um, pound for pound, the churches in Pioneer, they punch above their weight. And it, it really made me start to think we do punch above our weight for a small church in a, in a rural area. We punch well above our weight. We're, we're not just like, oh, well, we're just going to take care of ourselves and, and all, you know, drink the Kool-Aid until Jesus comes back. We're, we're, we're actively um, chasing after God. We're actively um, ministering to our community, giving to areas that our community needs. And that's the one thing I love about it. We are punching well above our weight. So we're proud of you guys, um, what you guys are doing, you know, in your personal life, in your church life. Um, we just thank you for that. So, yeah, I just want to say that. So, all right. So we're going to get into it. So Isaiah 9, verses 1 through 3, and it says, For unto us a child is born. No, this is not a Christmas message in, in end of June. We should do Christmas. No, I'm just kidding. We shouldn't do. No, we're not going to do Christmas in July. Sarah would have to speak. Um, it says, For unto us a child is born, but there will be no gloom for her who, who was in anguish. And this is talking about Israel. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephitali. But in the latter times, he made glorious the ways of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them like a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest. And they are glad when they divide the spoil. So this is um, Isaiah prophesying. Jesus, the coming of Jesus. He's saying a great light is going to be shown and they're going to be rejoiced in that great light. Um, but then Jesus goes to fulfill, you have to understand is so there's, there's biblical prophecy about Jesus. And they're not just saying he's, he's coming and he's going, to, he's going to come and he's going to release us. There's biblical prophecy that literally spells out what Jesus is going to do. You look through Isaiah and, and especially Isaiah because it really talks about um, who Jesus is and what he's going to do. 
But if you look through the Bible, and if you really have the time, it would take you years, but to study biblical prophecy of Jesus, there's so many passages of Scripture that talk about what Jesus who Jesus is, but exactly what he's going to do and how he's going to fulfill it to the letter, basically. So in Matthew, Jesus is talking, and he says this, the land of Zebulun and the land of Nephtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And then he says, and for those dwelling in the region of the shadow of death, on them light has dawned. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. So what Jesus was doing is he was fulfilling that prophecy. He's saying, I am that great light. I am the one who is going to bring hope to people who are in darkness. And so when he's talking about this, it's not just like, oh, hey, I'm, you know, I'm just going to repeat what he says. You know how many people probably before him started or repeated that and said, oh, I am blah, blah, blah. There was messiahs, that, people that claimed to be messiahs before Jesus. I mean, heck, we've had people in our own generation that have claimed to be the messiah. I'm like, do you really know what you're talking about? Um, and they usually end up going to jail because um, they have some weird cult that drinks Kool-Aid or something like that. But, um, but Jesus is basically fulfilling that prophecy saying, I am that one who's going to bring the, I am the light. I am the one who's going to shine in the dark places. So, but we have to understand where, where is this coming from? So when we look at James 1, it says this, says, every good gift and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. So what it's saying is, is this, the perfect gift that comes down is Jesus. Think about it. The only person to ever walk the face of the earth that was perfect, no sin, no spot, no blemish. He was the ultimate sacrificial lamb. He was, he was blameless in all ways. But what um, James is saying here is God is the Father of light. He's the one that shines light. He is the one that sends light. So when we look at Jesus saying, I am the light, but we have to understand this is Jesus talking to average people, his disciples, and what he's saying is he's repeating what the Father tells him to repeat. So we have to understand we have the Trinity. We have Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are three separate, but all in unity. They are one, three in one. So when we... we some people like to say, well, God said this and Jesus said this. Well, you have to really look at it and start to, to um, read the scripture and you'll understand there's no contradiction between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They do not contradict each other. They are all in perfect unity with each other. So it says every perfect and good gift comes from the Father above. And that perfect gift was Jesus. He was the one that brought light to us. And I love it. It says the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. That means he's unchanging. He's unwavering. He doesn't change his mind one day. Like, oh, I sent my son to save you. Well, I sent him. I don't know if I want to save you or, you know, he didn't say, oh, I just want to save the Israelites and the Gentiles. You can go to hell, um, but I'm just going to save the Israelites. He didn't, he didn't do that. And people will say, well, they talked about, you know, the, the Gentiles didn't get ministered to first. Yes, but Jesus had a time and God's plan was there was a time for them to be ministered to. And it wasn't that he's neglecting them. It wasn't that he was pushing them out. Because think about it. If he had decided to neglect the Gentiles, we would have not heard the good news. Because, hello, just letting you know, we're all Gentiles. Um, so the Father of lights, he's the one that is shining that light down. He sends the light of the world down. And so when, in John 8, 12, Jesus says this. And Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world. John 8, 12. I love that scripture. 
He says, whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, will have the light of life. So we're talking about Jesus who is starting his ministry. He's talking to people. And think about this. He's not, he's not saying this in a room full of just his, his disciples saying, I'm the light of the world. Don't tell anybody right now. He is publicly saying this to the masses. I am the light of the world. I am the son of God. I am here to take away the, the sins of the world. So when Jesus is saying that, this is a bold statement. This is not just, oh, hey, this guy thinks he's some kind of prophet. We talked about this last time I spoke out. The woman at the well, she just thought he was a Jew and he was just, you know, some random guy. And then she thought he was a prophet. And then she realized he was the son of God. And so this is Jesus saying, I'm not just some prophet. I'm not just some guy talking about good things that God has talked about. He goes, I am the one. I am the chosen son of God. And so when he's talking about that, he says, I am the light of the world. He's saying, I'm the one that cast all darkness out of the world. Think about that. He cast all darkness out of the world. So that means there's no shadow. Okay, think about this. You, have you ever walked into your house at night and you don't have the light on? And you know the path, right? And you know, you know, you get up in the middle of the night and you got to go check on something or whatever. How many of you guys don't turn the lights on? Okay, a majority of you, well, I should say half and you have. I don't turn the lights on. I just know the path. But every now and then we have company that doesn't know the night path and they leave stuff in the night path. And that night path gets, you know, it ends up being like, you know, a footstool or there's a dog every now and then that doesn't know, realize that there's a night path and that you go through. And think about it. When you kick on the light, you can see that, right? But when you don't know it's there, think about it. As human beings, we did not know sin was there until we experienced Jesus. We may have knew, known there was something that was not quite right, but when we experience the light of Jesus turning on, we know what is wrong. So think about this. You're going through the house at night, and you don't know if there's something wrong. You just hear something, so you don't know if there's something wrong, and you don't kick on the light. How are you going to be able to see it? With our family, they just scream at night, or they come into our bed. And when, I'm, not, I'm not talking like, you know, three years old, like the little ones. I'm talking... 16, 19, you know, something like that. Can I sleep with you guys tonight? I'm like, okay, fine, get on the end of the bed. Um, but, but yeah, we should have got a bigger bed like almost 20 years ago. Um, <laughs> um, but then we had everybody sleeping on the bed. That would just been just horrible. Um, but think about this. You're going through the house. You're looking for something. You're on your way. You know the way. You think you know the way, but something comes in your way. And you trip over it, you smash your baby pinky toe, you know, you, whatever, shins on something. And you know the way, but you don't realize that there's something in your way. But when you kick on that light, everything is revealed. And what Jesus is saying, I'm here to reveal everything. He was revealing the, 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 what the ways of the Pharisees had been doing for generations saying, ah, that's not the way it's supposed to be. This is how it's going to be. Jesus is shining a light, a spotlight on all sin. And he's not calling them out saying, oh, you're a horrible person. Think about it. Jesus, when he's talking to people, what does he say? Hey, to the woman at the well. Yeah, you're not married. You've had a couple husbands. You live with a guy. But he still says, hey, I'm still going to share it with you. Zacchaeus, hey, dude, I know what you do. I know you steal money from people. I'm still going to hang out with you. Matthew, he calls Matthew, who is a tax collector, to follow him. 
If, he, if Jesus was stuck up and only picked the people that he wanted, he wouldn't have picked any of the disciples that he chose. We're not talking about the most, you know, upright kind of guys here. We're talking about tax collectors and your average uh, swindlers on a lot of these guys. But Jesus called them and said, follow me. So when Jesus is saying, I am the light of the world, he's like, I'm here to shine in where the dark places are hiding. I'm here to shine a light so sin can't hide. And Jesus says in John 9, he says, as long as I am the wor- in the world, I am the light of the world. John 9, 5 says, I am the, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That's a, that's a very telling scripture. It's a very kind of almost prophetic scripture. He says, as long as I'm here, I'm the light of the world. And so he's saying, well, I am going to be with you, I'm going to walk with you, and I am the light of the world when I'm here walking with you and guiding you and directing you in your walk. He's saying that to, uh, from what I can best understand, his disciples. And so Jesus is saying, I'm going to walk with you, and I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to spend that time with you, and while I am here, I, you, I am the light of the world. So at that point, Jesus is the light. And he still is the light. But in Matthew 5, he says, we are light. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but the salt loses its taste. How can the saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under feet. And then he says in verse 14, you are the light of the world. Think about this. he's, He's not saying you are the light of the world now, and I am not the light of the world. Jesus is saying, I am handing you a responsibility. A responsibility that I have, I am now giving it to you also. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And he gives light to the entire house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So think about this. He's, he's, I'm the light of the world, why am I with you? But then he's, he's commissioning us, saying, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. He says, let your light shine before others. So that, that's a responsibility we have. So that, what that means is this, is we have to let his light shine on us to, to start to, to peel off, to pull off things that... Um, can cause us to stumble, to cause us to not be the light of the world. You know, he, it, Jesus didn't shine a light on things without giving them a way out. You know what I mean? He, he wouldn't just like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm here to tell you about your sin and not do anything about it. I think we have enough people and enough Christians in the world that tell people about their sin and don't give them a way out. Oh, you did this bad, you did this bad. Repent. Well, what... what I'm, I'm sorry, but when you see the person standing on the sidewalk and they say repent, a lot of people don't know what that means. They don't understand. They might understand the, the, the definition of the word, but they don't understand the, um, 
the product of the word. What that means when you see some random dude saying on the sidewalk telling people they need to repent, they don't understand what that means that they need to repent for their sins and that God loves them. It's, it's always about um, damnation and God never meant for that to be. But we, we tend to take his light and shine it how we want. I'm going to shine it on the dark places and, and condemn and convict instead of bring freedom. Jesus didn't say, hey, I'm the light of the world. I'm going to shine my light on your sin, and then I'm going to tell you how horrible you are and just leave you in that condition. Jesus doesn't do that. God doesn't do that. He, he shines light on it so that we can see it, and he can bring us to repentance. What does it say? It says our, your kindness brings us to repentance. It doesn't say your meanness and your harshness and your cruelty brings us to repentance. So Jesus is saying, I'm the light of the world, but he goes, I am now commissioning you to be light of the world. You are set on a hill. You are the ones that are going to shine a light so people will come and they will see the good works of God. But then he commands us to walk as children of light. Ephesians 5, 8. He says, for at one time you were in darkness, but now you are in the light of the Lord. Walk as the children of light. I think that that is pretty much a, a telling scripture. It says we were once in darkness. We were once far away from God. I shouldn't say that. We're never far away from God. God is always right there. It says he knocks at the door of our heart. So he can't be that far in, um, if he's knocking on the door of our heart. I think in our minds we're far from God. And in our actions we might be um, far from what he wants, but he's, we're never far from him. He is always there waiting for us, and it's just our job to turn around and realize that, hey, the door that he's knocking on is behind us, and when we repent, we open that door to him, and then we become born again. And I think um, when you've been in darkness, when you've lived a life that is subpar, and you realize when you're, when you're saved how bad it was. You, you don't realize how bad it is until you're out of it. You guys ever been in a situation, you're like, I was in a situation, I didn't realize how dangerous or how bad it was until I was out of the situation. And I think it's that way in our lives is that we don't realize how bad of a person we are until we're born again and then we realize, wait a minute, I was really kind of a crappy person. Even, even though you might be really nice and really kind, Without Christ, there is no balance. So think about it this way. If you have scales, scales and you set that weight of sin, it brings the, it brings the one sin brings it all the way down. It's not 1,200 sins. It's not 50 sins. It's one sin brings it all the way down to unrighteousness. It brings us down to um, life away from God. But when salvation comes in, it brings us back the opposite way. It says, my love covers all sin. Your repentance and salvation covers all sin. And the blood of Jesus covers it. And it brings that weight down to the other side. And it says, you know what? This is what weighs more than sin. The blood of Jesus covers more sin than you can ever imagine. If one man can j die, the Son of God can die for the entire world before and after him, I say the blood of Jesus is quite stronger than a few sins that we've had. But I think until we realize 
who Jesus is and, and the, the covering of his blood, we don't realize how, what kind of person we were. Sin is not just one of those things, oh, I just do it every now and then. It's a, it's a lifestyle, and what happens is it becomes a perpetual lifestyle. We don't even realize it until we're out of it, and we start to realize and say, oh my gosh, I can't believe the life I was living. I can't believe the way I was acting or what I was doing because of sin, and now the light of salvation is shown on me. I realize how horrible a person I w- was. And you may not have been a horrible person in the world's terms, but compared to perfection of Jesus, Paul says, what is it? It's all filthy rags. So when Jesus says, hey, you were in darkness at one point, the light was shined on you, you are now a children of the Father of light. He goes, you are children of light. So Philippians 2 says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence. This is Paul writing. It says, Out of your own salvation with fear and trembling. So, so what he, Paul is doing this, and he's trying to encourage them. He says, As you have always obeyed, he goes, not only in my presence, but as I am also absent. He goes, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's saying, hey, you can't just expect everything to fall into place. You have to work this out. There's going to be moments of sin and repentance, fear and trembling, repentance and, and understanding that God is working in you. He says that, that's why he says, work out your own salvation. He doesn't say, have somebody else work it out for you. He says, work it out yourself. And what that means is you're going to go through times of, of ups and downs and fear and doubt and believing and trusting, and you're going to have those moments. And he says, that's how you work it out. You're going to have moments of doubt, and then you're going to have moments of incredible belief, and then you're going to have moments of incredible doubt, and, but you know what? That belief always comes back. There's just those moments we have, and Paul's saying, we have to work those out. We have to work those out ourselves. He can't, because we can't walk as children of light, and have someone else walk for us. So he's saying, work it out with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will, to will and work for his good pleasures. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. I love it. He just lays it out. He doesn't say, you know, hey, you just, just walk out, you know, Walk out your salvation with fear and trembling and, and walk as children of light. He says, be blameless and innocent in a midst of a crooked and twisted generation. I think that's about as is, um, strong of an emphasis as you can put on that. Paul's like, hey, walk it out. You're going to struggle. You're going to have those moments, but walk out your salvation with fear and trembling because you know what? You're going to walk as a child of light, walk blameless and walk innocent because this world is messed up, screwed up. Oh, I'm sorry. Crooked and twisted. We walk in a generation that thinks, uh, for years it was like, oh, it's not, it's not a baby, it's just a clump of cells. In the last five years, it's like, it's a baby, but I don't even care anymore. Think about it. It is a crooked and twisted generation that they think that it's okay. I don't care what it is. It's it's, I'm, you know, it's, it's mine. I get to choose what I want to do with it. 
And what's funny about that is they all start eating, they all start going after themselves. If you walk, yes, if you walk blameless and innocent, you will watch evil turn on itself and start eating itself. They will fight among themselves, they will argue among themselves, and they will destroy themselves. That's why Paul say, hey, walk blameless and innocent and watch a crooked and twisted generation mess itself up. But he's saying, hey, we have to walk blameless and innocent. And it's, okay, anybody blameless and innocent here? No, nobody. I'm just saying, that's why the blood of Jesus is applied to our lives. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that makes us innocent and blameless in the sight of God. And if we start to move away from that understanding and we start to, to try to work out our own salvation without being blameless and innocent and without the blood of Jesus being applied to our life, there is no way to heaven except for the blood of Jesus. What does Jesus say? I am the light of the world. No one enters into the Father except through me. I am the door, he says. He is the key of David. That means that no one go, you don't get to heaven by your own messed up um, version of, of Christianity. Of There are multiple gods. Jesus is saying, I'm the only way. And the only way that we are going to walk blameless and innocent is this, by applying the blood of Jesus to our life daily. The great thing is, is this. It gets applied to us daily whether we realize it or not. It's just walking in that. Walking in that mindset. I, I remember um, hearing this uh, said this way. He said, when God sees us, it's like having, um, it's like God has we, uh, really bad glasses on and he, all he sees is the blood of Jesus and it covers us. He doesn't see our past sins. He doesn't see our past mess ups and our past uh, things that we've done. He only sees us applied through the filter of the blood of Jesus. So it's like us standing here and before us is the blood of Jesus flowing over us and in front of us, and that filters out. It doesn't mean that you've never sinned, but it means that God doesn't see that sin and hold it against us. Which is great, because think about it. If he, he held every sin against us, he's like, well, I paid for your, your salvation for this point, but after this point, you're kind of on your own, and you gotta be blameless and innocent on your own. It doesn't work that way. Jesus said, be blameless, or excuse me, Paul is saying, be blameless and innocent because you walk in a crooked generation and what happens is, is this, is they will use everything against you to destroy you, to take you down, to make my name look bad. And they're talking about Jesus. He's, they're going to do anything they can to make Jesus' name look bad. The great thing is, is this, we don't have to fight for Jesus. He fights for himself. We try to argue for Jesus. And he's like, why are you arguing for me? I don't need you to argue for me. Why are you trying to convince everybody that this is the right way? Okay, there's a difference between witnessing and trying to do mass conversion on the street. When we try to argue with people about what the Word of God says and about who Jesus is, we are not really winning them. Because here's the thing. is you've ever argued with somebody and really, really had your mind changed, very rarely do we argue with someone and have our mind changed on something. Am I right? We are very opinionated people, whether you express it or not. We are opinionated people, and our way is right, and their way is wrong when we're arguing. Am I right? Well, it's just, that's who we are. But very rarely when you argue with somebody and say, oh, this is this and this, they're going to be like, oh, you know what? I was completely wrong on that. You're 100% right. And my view of everything has changed. 
No, it doesn't. Does that ever happen? Have, have you ever been that way? Anybody, show of hands, ever had somebody talk to you and you're like, my, I've lived my life in a complete lie. I was completely wrong and you are 100% right and I'm going to do it your way. It doesn't work that way. Nobody does that. And that's why God is saying, walk blameless and innocent. If you do that, what happens is, is that you don't have to argue with anybody. They can see your good works and they will give glory to God. Because they see your good works. They're not see, looking at you going, oh, oh, they're just a horrible person and they gave $5 to this company for d- donation. No, they're looking at your lifestyle and they're saying, man, they, they don't this, they're not this. They're, they're, they're blameless. There's really not a whole lot I can hold against them. And they love God. You know what really makes people who don't love God angry? People who love God. People who follow God. People who listen to God and obey his commandments. It's weird. It's like, oh, you go to church? I hate you. Well, <laughs> lucky you. Um, it's, it's the weirdest thing. Oh, you, you give money to church and you follow God and you listen to God and you don't do this and you do this? Well, I don't like you. I mean, come on, what's not to like? But that's the thing is, they will hate you because you walk blameless and innocent. And when we start to do that, the world starts to look at us and go, oh, you're weird, you're freaks. Yes, we are. We believe that babies are life from the moment of conception. Oh my gosh, how weird is that? We just have like 30 scriptures to back it up. You know, it's, it's okay. We just, we like to use evidence, you know, it's okay. Um, but when we walk blameless before God, they will start to see us and say, man, they don't, they don't live like everybody else. They control their finances. They, they have good kids. They have good marriages. Wow, what is there not, not to like about that? It's like, oh, you hate us because we have good families, good marriages. We, we, we pay our bills, yeah. But some people just don't like it. And it's because... We, when we walk with Christ, when we follow what he's doing, we become blameless and there's nothing they can hold against us. I've had people like, we don't like you. Why? Because you serve Jesus. Oh, I'm sorry. Is there anything else? Nope, you just serve Jesus. Well, okay, I'll leave it at that. Good for you. I'm glad you don't like us because we serve Jesus. Is there anything else wrong with us? Nope, can't find anything else wrong. You just love Jesus. So, okay. So, John 1.1, we're going to read that entire uh, passage no, it's, it's going to go on forever. I'm just kidding. Um, there's only 10 verses, but all right. John 1, 1. And, or, I'm sorry, 1 John 1, 1. My bad, sorry. From the very first day we were there taking it all in, we heard, this is the message. He said, we heard it with our own ears, saw it with our own eyes, verified it with our own hands. And they're talking about Jesus coming back in the upper room and, and, G, and them hiding and waiting for, you know, to figure out what to do. And Jesus comes back and, and John says, we verified it with our own hands. We saw with our own eyes who you were. The word of life appeared right before our eyes. We saw it happen. And now we're telling you in the most sober prose that we witnessed was incredible. The infinite life of God himself took shape before us. We saw it, we heard it, and now we're telling you so you can experience it with us. This experience of communion with the Father and the Son our motive of writing this is simply we want you to enjoy this too for your du- joy will be double. And then he says this. In the essence in this message we heard from Christ and the passing our, and we are passing it on to you. God is light, pure light and there's not a trace of darkness in him. Think about this. So 
we have a lot of people in the world, even Christians, be like, why did God do this to me? If God was a good God, he wouldn't have let this happen. That has like been the debate for like eons. People, well, if God was good, he wouldn't have let this happen to me. I'm going to leave it, I'm going to break it down as this. God is good. There's no darkness in him. We live in a fallen world with sin. That's about the best way to explain it. You want a longer example, I could probably tell you in about two more words. But, um, so there's no darkness in him. And then verse 6 says, we claim to experience that shared life with him and continue to stumble around in the darkness. We're obviously lying through our teeth. We're not living in what we claim, but if we walk in the light, God himself being the light, we're also experiencing a shared life with one another. As the sacrificed blood of Jesus, God's Son, purges all of our sin. If we claim to be free of sin, but we're, fool, but we're only fooling ourselves. A claim like that is errant nonsense. On the other hand, if we admit our sins, simply come clean of them, he won't let us down. He'll be true to himself. He'll forgive our sins and purge us of all wrongdoing. If we claim that we have never sinned, we are out and out. Contradicting, uh, contradicting God. We make a liar out of him. A claim like this only shows off our ignorance of God. I like what he says. He says, there is pure light. God is light, pure light. There is no darkness that resides in him. There is nothing bad. And, and I'm, darkness is not always bad. There is darkness at night, and it's not always bad. But we as parents know, hey, hey nothing good happens after dark, right? We tell our kids that, right? Nothing ha- good happens after dark. Uh, and that's because we want our kids home at night um, so they don't go wandering around getting hit by deer. Um, <laughs> but he says there's no darkness in God. God is light. There is nothing uh, bad, nothing errant, nothing even slightly um, arrogant about who, uh, God's characteristics. He's not like, well, I'm going to do this just because I want to do this. God does, does everything for our benefit. Think about this. He's not like, well, I'm not going to give them this because I don't agree with what they're doing. Do you know that he still sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous? He's not like, well, these people believe in me. I'm going I'm to water their field. These people hate me, so I'm not going to water their field. And then he, he doesn't have clouds skipping place to place. He still blesses us even when we sin. Sin just, just sin what sin does is this. It, it breaks that relationship with, us, with him. And I'm not saying in a way that is a permanent break, but what it does is he's like, why did you do this? We, ha- we, we could have worked this out. We could have done this. And when we sin, as Christians, when we sin, and if, when we do that, we should have, a, a, in the back of our mind while we're doing it, we know we shouldn't be doing it. You guys ever done that? You know you shouldn't be doing it, and you're like, oh, you wanted to say something to somebody. You wanted to do something. And in the back of your mind, you're like, I shouldn't be doing this. Or even if you didn't realize it in your mind, you're kind of at that hesitation. And you're like, when you got done, you're like, oh, I shouldn't have done that. That wasn't right. It may have not, you may have not known it was a sin at that moment. But when you're done, you're like, oh, man, that was not right. That was not the right thing to do. And so when God is, is leading us and guiding us, as you're the children of light, he says, think like me, act like me carry yourself like me, talk like me, so that when you do that, you become blameless and innocent in the sight of other people. They will just not like you because you go to church. If that's the worst thing that they can say about you, well, you go to church. 
I'm, I would say live with that. But he says, if we claim, I'm going to read from the um, English Standard Version real quick here. It says, says, but if you have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. That's the thing. He's saying, if you say you walk with God, but you're living in darkness, if you're living in sin, and you say you have a good relationship with God, he says, you're lying. It's like saying, oh yeah, I, I love God but I'm willing to compromise on this, or I'm willing to compromise on that. And that's the thing is, when we say, I'm willing to compromise my relationship with God, it's like, oh, hey, by the way, you can have light here, but this area of my life is dark. You don't get access to the light here. I, my, this part of my life is dark, and you don't get access to that with your light. It's like, my, I'm going to compartmentalize my relationship with God. This part of my life, I want to keep this the way it is because I like it. And you know what? Uh, the rest of my life, I will listen to God. Here's the thing is, that can't happen. The moment you say, this part of my life you have no access to, we basically say, you only have access to what I give you. And that basically means, I'm not giving you access to my life when I don't like it. Because what happens is this, if we compartmentalize our relationship, we say, hey, this part's dark. You can't have access to this. And what happens is then you're like, well, I don't really agree with the Bible on that. So now I'm going to take this part and push it off. And then, oh, I, well, I did, that kind of offended me. The Bible is stinking offensive to everybody. It's a, it should be offensive to us when we read it. Because what it does is it convicts us of what is wrong in our life and what we need to change. So then we go, oh, I was offended by that scripture. I don't agree with that scripture. It just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I'm going to take this part. And what happens is, is this, we start to, to move these little areas off in this area, and then it becomes a bigger area. And we say, oh God, I love you, but I don't agree with any of your scripture. I just love, I like the, then it ends up, I like the thought of a God. It's like, there is no compartmentalizing with God. It's either light or darkness. We cannot hold one little area off and say, well, I'm only going to hold on to this area, God. And it might be an area he's working on you with, but you can't hide that area away from him because he knows what it is. But it's either you follow him or you just don't follow him. But here's the thing. It's God may be working on an area that you're trying to hide. He's saying, you know, I'm going to convict you of this. I'm going to work on you. I'm going to talk to you about this so that you can change this. But when we start to say, nope, stop, you can't go here. You know, there, there's, we start to put up a boundary with God Okay, there, there's great boundaries we need to put in with, with human beings because, you know, hey, you don't get that boundary. You don't get to come into that, that part of my life. But with God, there should not be any boundary. He should have every access to every area of your life and be able to give you full, um, you should be able to give him full control and he should be able to say anything into your life because you have allowed him to. The moment you say, I know I'm born again, I have submitted myself to Christ, I've asked him to come into my life and submit myself to him. You can't, get, you can't do that anymore. You can, but it's not going to work out well. And what he's saying is, if you hide away things in your life and say, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, I go to church every week, but you're, you're saying one thing and you're doing the other, you're basically lying. But he says in 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us of all sins. And that's the thing is, when we start to move away from giving God full control of our lives, and that control is a weird word because when we hear control, 
we think of, everybody's going to control me, everybody's going to tell me what to do, when I want to, when I do it. The problem is, is we've taken that word and turned it in, we've perverted that word and turned it into something that is bad. Well, th these people want to control me, the government wants to control me, they want to do this, and they, they're telling me I have to do this. When we give control to God, God is saying, I'm going to, when you give me control, I'm going to ask you. He doesn't say, do it now. There's times where the Holy Spirit says, you need to stop that now. But God isn't going to be like, do it now or I'm going to hate you. That, that is not the control we're talking about. We're talking about, we're, we're talking about surrendering our lives. Paul says, I am no longer um, a slave, but I'm a slave to righteousness. So that means we have to surrender our lives to Christ. That means I give to you freely. Do, as Jesus gave his life freely, we give our life to him and say, you know what, I want to walk in the light as you are in the light. And so when we do that, what happens is, is this, is we give him the control. We take control off of ourselves and say, I'm not going to try to control everything. You guys ever try to control everything in your life? None of you? Come on. Okay, some of you. So when you start to try to control everything in your life, what happens is this. It spills over into other people's lives. You try to control every aspect of your life. I'm going to control this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to lock down. And what happens is this. It falls apart. Am I right? It falls apart. And you have to literally go back and start all over again because control does not work. But when we give up and surrender ourselves to God, we say, you do what you want to do. Control is not a manipulation. It's not a... Um, a manipulative act towards us. It's, I'm going to show you how to live your life. I'm going to let you walk in freedom because we say, I give up control. I give it to you, God. And he says, I don't need control. We give up our control of, of who we are. And God's like, I don't need control. I just need your surrender. Because when, he, when we give our surrender, he leads us instead of controls us, Right? God doesn't sit there and go, oh, now do this, do this. He, he, we're not chess pieces. God says, I want you to give up control, surrender yourself to me, and I will lead you in love and kindness and gentleness. And so when we, we start to, to walk as children of light, we, we start to say, okay, hey, these dark compartments that I've held off for so many years that I, I, I've just hidden away, I don't even remember. Uh, you know what? I remember, I don't remember, who, no, I don't remember who this was, but I remember this kid, and they lied so much that they would lie about their lies, and we're like, you just lied about that, and it was some kid in youth for years, and I was like, how do you not know? You just told me a lie a week ago, and then you're lying about that lie. I'm like, are you dumb? And what happens is, is this, is when we start to compartmentalize our life, we say, we, we start to hide things away, we start to lie about it to God, and he's like, I know the truth. You can't hide this from me. I see everything. You may think it's dark, but he goes, I shine light on darkness. I see what it is. So when, as, if we're going to walk with him, we have to give up our control of our life. We have to give up our, um, our desire to control our life and say, you know, I just surrender myself to you. Guide me, lead me how you want me to go. And what happens is this, that control of life starts to fade away and you're like, I can't control life anyway, but I'm going to give my life to him, surrender myself to him and let him lead me and guide me because what happens is this, when he leads and guides, it's so much easier to move through life with ups and downs and through mountains and valleys than it is to try to control our lives 
and try to do it on our own and try to hide everything. So when he says, hey, if you're children of light, walk with it. If you say you have no sin, you're deceiving yourself. It says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So let's just not make him a liar and let's just, when we go through those times when we say, hey, you know, I, I'm trying to walk as he walks, live as he lived. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. There, we need to look as, at Christ as an example and say, I need to walk like Christ, live like Christ, become like him. Because what happens is this, when we start to walk like Christ, we, we start to, to, the things that normally would, would hinder us and start to cause us to have um, sin in our lives, it will start to fade away. Because we look at Christ and say, hey, he did this. How did he deal with this? If we, any situation you're dealing with in life, you can go to the Word of God and you can look at the Word of God and it will give you wisdom for that situation. It will give you guidance how to walk through things. Do you think Jesus didn't have angry people in his face at some times? Do you think Jesus didn't have people that wanted to kill him at one point? Do you think that people didn't um, understand what Jesus was, was doing? But we can look back and say, you know, I'm going to walk as he walked. I'm going to live as he lived. And if the Father of light sent him down and Jesus said, I am the light of the world, and then he calls us the light of the world, that's a responsibility we carry as Christians. To walk blamelessly before others. To walk humbly before God. And when we do that, he guides us and he gives us direction. Instead of, oh, oh, time to control you and pull the strings here and pull the strings here. God will guide you and lead you and not control you. But it's just giving that up giving that up to him. I love it in... Oh, I just lost it. There we go. All right. John 8, 8, 12, the one we were in a little bit, because I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will, walk, will not walk in darkness. When we follow him, we will walk in light. We will not walk in darkness. But we'll have the light of life. Jesus was in the world for a short period of time. He says, I am the light of the world while I am here, but after I leave, you are the light of the world. There's a reason why Jesus said that, because he knew when he left, he was going to send his Holy Spirit and that we were going to have the Holy Spirit to guide us and lead us to be the light of the world. So when we, if we are children of light, we need to walk that they may see our good works and give glory to our Father in heaven. When we walk in God, when we let him lead our life, all it can do, and if we walk with him, all it can do is bring glory to God. Because here's the thing is, whether people like us or not for being Christian, um, that term's kind of overused. I think a follower of Jesus is a lot easier to say. Because you can say Christian, and that can cover so many things that are just off the wall crazy these days. I think if you follow Jesus, people are going to look at you and go, I don't know about wh why it is you're the way you are, but you follow Jesus and you're loving, you're kind, but you stand up for, for justice. I think sometimes we, we want to fit in. Because that, that insecurity in the, human, in the human condition wants people to, to accept us. And you can say you don't. You could say you don't care about people accepting you, blah, 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 whatever. That's a bunch of bull crap. But 
when we walk with God and we allow him to take control of our lives, what happens is this. We lose all care of what the world thinks. We don't care if they're mad at us. We don't care what happens because what our main goal is this, is walking with God is, is to please God. That should be our number one goal in our life is to follow him, to walk as children, is to please him. Is my, is my day-to-day actions and lifestyle pleasing him? Is what I'm saying pleasing him? And, and take that into um, account and say, hey, maybe sometimes we need to take an assessment and say, God, is what I'm saying pleasing you? Is what I'm doing on a daily basis pleasing you? Is the way I'm, I'm living my life pleasing to you? And I think as we do that, we will start to understand and become more and more like Christ and start to walk with him and let him guide us in those ways. So just do that assessment. Just say, God, am I walking the way that you want? Is my actions, my words, whatever, is that pleasing to you? And when you do that, you'll start to get those little nudges. Sometimes they're big nudges, but it will guide, he will guide you and lead you into victory and into truth. Let's pray.